0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. How many of you are familiar with Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Texas, Dallas, Texas area? Okay, one of my favorites. Okay, it's a large church, like 35,000 people go to his church Um, And they have campuses all over Texas and now all over the place. But they're very strategic with their church planning. Robert Morris preached this series years ago called The Blessed Life. Um, Now, the Lord gave us at the beginning of the year three uh, things that we needed to uh, go after. We needed to go after uh, the spirit that likes to mess with communication. It's strong in this region where um, I say, hey, Jim, how you doing? And let's connect sometime. And then I get busy. I don't call him for two weeks and he thinks I'm mad at him. He's getting a communication of something, but it's not from me. It might be in the absence of communication or whatever, but people are picking up messages that aren't real. And and, and maybe even in... um, Lois, you and I need to work through some issue. And so I sit down and say, hey, Lois, da, da, da. And at the end of it, I said, now, what did you hear? And she's got a whole different set of facts, a whole different thing. I'm like, I didn't say any of that, you know? And so there's this twisting of communication that really happens a lot. So we did a series on the Lord's Prayer. Because what we found is in the kingdom of heaven, God wants our communication with him to be, be so pure and clean and operating in the authority that he gives us as sons and daughters of God so that when we pray, when we pray, which is the word prosukamai, which is like the kind of the word prosecute comes from prosukamai. It's this concept of, of when you pray, say. When you pray with power and you declare a thing, Make sure you say it with some authority. Now the only way you can do that is if you know you're a son of God. Otherwise, you're not quite sure. Do I have the privilege of praying this authoritatively? Right? So it's really important to understand who we are. So we did this entire series through the Lord's Prayer, picking apart every single piece of it to go, okay, how should we be praying? Because if I can clean my communication, let me tell you, we're not there yet. We haven't broken through this one yet. <laughs> Just saying, but if we can begin to get our communication with the Father proper and in right alignment, it always, it makes such a dramatic difference when you're communicating with each other, right? So we, we spent, um, I think, nine weeks going through that. And then this summer um, and heading into the fall, we did what we call a culture of honor series where we talked about setting boundaries, understanding healthy communication, communication styles. We talked about how do you honor authority? Why would you even honor authority? We live in North Idaho. We don't like authority, right? Like it's a thing, right? I mean, there's really a spirit here that really struggles with this concept of honoring authority, and so we, we went through this whole thing on honor and why do we honor and how do we honor God and how do we honor each other? well And so, that, so when you go to HVWC.com, you go to the website, also the YouTube channel. When you go there, you will see links to these series. At the very top, just click on Culture of Honor series, Culture of Honor, and you'll see all the videos there. If there's any of those that you missed, you can go back, you can re-watch them, you can do that. So we, we try to make it easy for you to find content. Because sometimes, I'm not here every week, anybody know that's true? I'm not here every week because I have a leadership team that empowers Meek and us to operate in the calling that we have, which is also to go into other churches and to help spark fires there. Okay, so we we I absolutely love our leadership team and our core team is amazing. So um, they give us the opportunity to do the things that we're called to do here while we steward this work here. So sometimes it will feel like it's not every week is the series. There'll be some some weeks missing, but they're all in the playlist online. Okay, now when we finish that up, we had one more issue, right? Because we have to deal with this with the spirit, the independent. Um, um, spirit that, that dishonors. So we had to do this, this, this culture of honor series. And then the other series that we're starting right now is to deal with the spirit of poverty, okay? And this is called The Blessed Life. And the reason why I went to Robert Morris for a guide on some of this stuff because the teaching that he provided was some of the most breakthrough teaching and finances that I've ever seen in my entire life. Ever seen it. I, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Because we can fall into a trap of I give to get blessed. That's a trap. trap. We give in obedience because God asks us to and He gets to determine the blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. He determines the blessing, right? And so how can we live the blessed life? right? And so that's the, the kind of why we're doing this series. This will go all the way through to the end of the year. Um, and so we have eight weeks left until the end of the year. Um, and there are six messages in this series. We are going to take a week off for Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're going to talk about vision. We're going to talk about um, missions. We're going to do some kind of family stuff that week. And, um, but then, um, And then Christmas day is on a sunday which i'm excited i love it um and so instead of 10 o'clock we'll meet at 11 you'll get more information about that it's going to be a lot of fun as we get together as the family of god on the birth of jesus's day i mean it's so good so good all right so what i want to talk to you about today is the principle of first and this is the most pivotal principle in scripture i believe next to salvation in jesus because how many, how many of you ever heard a preacher say, put Jesus first in your life? Come on now, have you ever heard a preacher say you should put Jesus first, right? Well, there's a reason why a lot of us preachers will say, put Jesus first in your life. But how do we effectively do that? Because oftentimes he's an afterthought, he's a byproduct. We don't actually put him first. We try to, but we don't necessarily understand how God likes that to go. So we will miss it sometimes because we just, we just don't have um, the ability to see it clearly, okay? What I want to also talk to you about is this fact that when you put God first, everything else will fall into place. And I can't say this strong enough. You put God first, everything else will fall into place. I got deer in the headlights. If you put God first... Everything else will fall into place. Do you agree with that statement? Okay, good. All right. I'm going to try and keep you engaged. so Because there might be some moments where a spirit of religion will want to pop up and, and we got to deal with that. So stay engaged with me today, please. Listen, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. We live in a fallen world, right? Jesus said... You'll experience tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome it. I've overcome tribulation. And again, I'm not saying you won't have problems, but if God's first, I'm saying everything comes into order. If God's not first, nothing can come into order because God is first in the universe. This is an eternal principle. So, I want to show you some scriptures today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, I I encourage you to bring your Bibles, at least your iPhone or your Android, uh, and open it up to Exodus chapter 13. I think it's important for you to see the scriptures. Now, normally, I might might put them up on the screen, but I feel like I want some interactivity because I feel like you need to read it for yourself in your own Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, good. So we're in Exodus 13. Okay, now I want you, while you're turning there, I'm going to remind you of something. Okay, I'm gonna let me pull up a scripture while you're doing that. I'm gonna go somewhere else. First Corinthians ten says this, uh, verse eleven. Now all these things happen to them as examples. He's talking about all these, all like water from the rock, and Jesus is the spiritual rock, and he's talking about all these Old Testament examples right? Because Exodus is way, way, way back there. It's a long time ago. He says, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. They're written for our instruction. So when we go to the Old Testament, we actually go to the Old Testament to understand the principles of God, and we go to the Old Testament to understand and be instructed in how God does a thing. Are you guys okay with that? Okay. So, and then, I love this. I love this. Right? He says he says that, and then he says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. What he's saying is like, as you understand the principle of God, you'll have solid ground to stand on so you can live a blessed life and not fall into temptation. You get that? Yeah. Okay. That's 1 Corinthians 10. You can go read it if you're, if you're questioning my judgment on that. All right. The Old Old Testament establishes the principles, right? And grace, God's divine empowerment in Christ, unveils the kingdom. Let me say it again. The Old Testament reveals the principles, and and grace in Christ Jesus reveals the kingdom. Right? Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. He didn't come to do away with the law. So we have to understand that these divine principles of God, which sometimes are, he actually put some of those divine principles into the law, like moral law. Like, just because we're under grace, murder is not okay. Right? And we wouldn't be like, oh, I understand, you're just a really nice murderer. (laughs) Under grace, his divine empowerment... Allows us to do more than what the law allowed. Because yeah. Jesus says if you have hatred in your heart, you've committed murder. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> right? He ups the ante in the kingdom. So we might have a principle over here. Don't ignore God's principles because you think grace supersedes. What grace does is it empowers the principle beyond what the law said. (laughs) My wife said, oops. I love it. All right, Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to look here in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Are you guys with me? Okay. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I'm reading out of the new King James. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me, consecrate. It's a really cool word. It's holy. It means set apart. Same word. Okay. Consecrate, make holy to me, consecrate to me, all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Say it is mine. Okay. Now I can't tell you how emphatic the language is in Hebrew. It's powerful. It's like we have our potluck coming up, and Lois makes one of her apple pies. And it's a sugar-free apple pie, which I'm super down with, okay? Because I don't mix fruit and sugar on my diet. So so Lois makes this sugar-free apple pie, and there's one piece left, and I'm looking at John LaPointe. John and I are staring at each other, and I say, back off, buddy. It is mine. (laughs) Okay, that's how emphatic this is. Okay. It is mine. It is mine. So, so one of the realities. don't touch it, John. (laughs) Don't touch it. So this is, this is how emphatic that is. And, um, all right. So that's the first point. Now jump down with me to verse 12. Okay. It says that you shall set apart, same word, consecrate, make holy, set apart to the Lord, all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. That's possessive. They're mine. God says it's mine. The male shall be mine. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Now I want you to know something. If you will not give it back to God, If you don't return it to God, to whom it belongs, you're going to lose it anyway. That's what he's saying. You're going to lose it. And then he says, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Point number one on the principle of first is that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed, right? That's what we just read. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Obviously, this was under the law. But there's a principle here, and we're trying to figure out what the principle is. Are you following me? Okay. Now, the firstborn must be, according to what we just read, sacrificed or redeemed. So how do you know which one? How do you know what to do? How do you know whether it's sacrifice it or redeem it? The Lord gives us two examples of animals, right? Two classifications of animals. He gives us one, which is the lamb, the clean, and then we have donkey and unclean, right? So He gives us these two classifications. Are you following me? Okay, so we've got the clean lamb. We've got the unclean donkey. Now, if your unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem it. If the donkey, the firstborn of the donkey... In other words, if you want to use that donkey when it grows up, that little colt, you want it to run around the farm, you have to buy it back from the Lord. This was his principle. It was God's principle. So if you have an unclean animal, you have to buy it back, redeem it. You have to buy it back from the Lord. How do you do that? You have to sacrifice a clean animal in order to buy back the unclean animal. Otherwise, you kill it. You lose it. This is, God, this is the law. This is how God set it up. Right? Why? Because the firstborn belongs to who? God. And if it's unclean, it has to be redeemed. And if it's the firstborn of a clean animal, it has to be sacrificed. There's no way to redeem the firstborn of the clean. It's sacrificed. Are you guys following me? Okay. Now, Whew, we're getting deep. It's good, I'm glad you're following. Um, I think some of you are about to have an aha moment because here's why this is huge. The firstborn clean must be sacrificed. The firstborn unclean must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. So what in the world, of course, does this represent for us today today? Well, let's think about us as humans, spiritually speaking. Were we born clean or unclean? We were born unclean in our sin. Right? Let me talk to the experts here today. Parents. <laughs> did you have to teach your child to be good? Did you did they did you teach them to be bad? Nope. Didn't have to teach kids how to be bad. You have to teach them how to be good. Right? Here's how you do it right. Here's how you do it well. This is, it's not okay to tell me you didn't take a cookie from the cookie jar. I didn't do it. And the face is all covered up, you know. Right? Like we don't have, like we're born unclean. Right? Now, was Jesus born unclean or Clean. Clean. See, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. And this is what this represents way back then. Everything in the Old Testament, right? Remember, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12 says the Old Testament was written as an example for us and it was written as an admonition or instruction for us so we can withstand temptation. We see God's principle of faith and obedience in many forms in the Old Testament, right? Maybe this is unfamiliar, but we're going to talk about the firstborn today, right? We've just been covering this firstborn issue, right? And we're also talking about first fruits, and we're talking about the tithe, okay? We're talking about all three. Now, these are all Old Testament concepts, right? But... We're talking about this because the firstborn, the first fruits, and the tithe represents those things that belong to God. So hear me, don't tune me out yet. Listen, and maybe you've never thought about this way, but the Bible tells us that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, right, in Romans 8. And it also says that he is the first fruits. But think about that. You maybe have never thought about this, but Jesus is God's tithe. In the same way, we do not see, uh, we, we don't wait to see if we have enough left over to tithe in that same fashion, like you shouldn't wait until you see how much you have in order to tithe, right? God didn't wait to see Later, what was going to happen before he gave Jesus? He gave Jesus in faith. He gave Jesus to us in faith. While we were sinners, while we were mocking him, beating him, wounding him, he still gave him first for us. Let me just say, you know... um, We're going to dive into some stuff in this series that's going to be super enlightening, I think, for all of us. But one of the things that I will say that's interesting is do you remember the plague in Exodus? Right? We had 10 plagues, and the last one is the death of all the firstborn sons in Egypt. Do you know why God could do that? Because all the firstborns are His. It's not because God just decided to become a, a villainous murderer. Do you hear me? The firstborn were always his. They're always his. Now check this out. In order for the Israelites to come through the 10th plague, what did they have to do? They got a branch of hyssop. They dipped it in a clean animal's blood that was sacrificed, the lamb, right, the blood, and they would make a cross on their door in blood so that the angel of death who came to take what was rightfully God's, the firstborn, and notice it didn't say just the firstborn of the people, of the animals too, right? So God says, I want all the firstborn, okay? And so we see that, that God finally is like, okay, I'm going to enact my righteous." my righteous preeminence, and we'll get to that word in a minute, but I come before all things and I get the first because I'm first, all the first is mine. So he says, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to take all of this from Egypt. And in order for his children, the Israelites, to not have to suffer under that, he redeemed it through the sacrifice of the clean. Is this making sense to you? Okay, good. Are you guys with me? So I think this is really critical because God redeemed us by giving his firstborn son as a sacrifice for us. Right? I'm going to say it again. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. In Hebrews 7, it says that God gave Jesus in hope. That root word of hope uh, is is the same root word for faith. God gave Jesus in faith and hope that we would believe, that we would receive him. He wasn't waiting. It's the same with the tithe. Now, how do I feel it? Ooh, I was just waiting for religious stuff to come up. All right. All throughout scripture, God says, give me the first lamb. He doesn't say, wait until you have 10 lambs and then give me the lamb that you don't like that gets in the garden and eats up the, eats up the garden? That one that you're like, uh, he's, he's a couple screws short. God, you can have that one, right? No, the first, right? The first. And this is the principle of the first that we see throughout scripture. Like, remember when they went into Jericho, right? They go into Jericho. What do they do, right? what God say about Jericho? I want all the, he said, he said, I'm going to give you Jericho supernaturally. I'm going to give you Jericho, but all the silver and all of the gold, all, everything in Jericho goes to me. Right? Right? He was very clear. The whole thing comes to me. Why? Because it was the first city. It's the first. I'm going to take all of it. Are you following me? Okay. Now, check this out. The first portion is is the redemptive portion. The first portion redeems the rest. Right? Clean, unclean. I got some money right here. Not real money. It's fake money. This is dad bucks. It's got my picture on it. <laughs> okay, we use this for chores at our house. It's dad bucks. So Quinn's got a list of things. If she does some things, she gets some dad bucks, right, we give her some dad bucks, and then she's got a list of things she can buy with it, right, so we got a little micro economy in our house with my face on it, it's beautiful, okay, dad bucks, and I, and I love this photo, because it's one of my biggest smiles ever, because it was uh, the photo from our engagement, and, uh, and uh, I don't know how you smile much bigger when that lady said yes, so, if you guys are really impressed with the dad bucks, they'll be up here later. You can inspect them. They're not real money. It's not worth anything, but, you know, it's fun. Um so the first portion of the of what God gives us, the first portion, when we give the first portion to God, it redeems the rest of it. See, there is something very powerful when you give the first portion to God, the rest are redeemed. This is amazing. Please hear me. Don't give your first portion to the electric company, don't give your first portion to the mortgage company. It doesn't have the power to bless your finances. The first portion. Even if you put it in savings, it doesn't have the power to bless your finances. This is God's principle. And it's very important what you do with the first portion because the first portion belongs to God. It belongs to Him. And and we'll, we'll dive into that in just a moment, a little more detail. I remember, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Spencer, my son, who's 15, I was previously married, if you don't know me. Um, I was previously married, we had two children, a Spencer and Bailey, um, and um, when Spencer was 15, uh, he was working uh, part-time uh, at Super One Foods, okay, he started as a checker, uh, or as a bag guy, you know, one of the bag guys and cart guys, you know, he started there, he's 15 years old, he's in football, and he's track and field, right, because he did long jump, and he was a wide receiver at San Point High School, and so, um, so he's busy, young kid, but he's like, he's like, uh, I need to work. So we, so we, we, and I don't think we forced him, but he's just the high drive guy, right? So he goes, gets a job. And so um I, we are very strong in our house on tithing. I'm not preaching something that we don't practice, that we haven't been doing for our entire marriage and beyond. So when Spencer's 15, he gets this job and, and, We have had, let me just say, we have had so many testimonies of God's breakthrough financially and God rebuking the devourer because of our tithe. It's been absolutely amazing. But I had taught him these principles and this principle of the first and the first fruits tithe. And I taught him all these principles. And so when he gets his first check, normally what you would do is say, okay, now let's set up a budget and you're going to give 10% to the Lord and maybe put some money in savings and then how much more do you, you know, because he didn't have any expenses. He's 15. But he understood the principle of first fruits, and he understood the principle of the firstborn and he understood the principle of the tithe. So you know what he did? He gave the entire check, the whole thing, the whole first. He actually sowed the entire first of his first check he gave to the Lord. This man, he's 23 now, and he walks in unusual financial favor. Unusual, fi- unusual graduation presents. I'm like, how are you racking up thousands of dollars of graduation, bro? Family, friends, people just throwing money at him. His older sister was a little upset. Um, it was cute. he walks in unusual favor so we talked about God getting the first right because he says listen the first it's mine do you remember that that possessive it's mine like the apple pie it's mine right here's what we need to understand about this with Spencer we talked about listen God gets the first God says it's his it's not it's not if I got extra left over it's not it's just this is the Lord's he's the one who redeems it I'm not going to raise my son to be a thief. That's what God says, that if you don't, you're stealing from him. Are you guys okay? That's what God says. That's not me. So I, I, I've taught that and I practice this. And, and what I will say is that Achan, we see Achan steal from Jericho and hide it under his tent. And what did God kill him for? Stealing. Because he stole from the first. Right? What do we see happen in Malachi? Right? You say, "How have I robbed you?" Well, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Let's be clear. Like so, there's this this Malachi and Achan. We have many examples of this. Um, And so, with that, we just talked about the firstborn. Right? Clean, unclean. Now, let's go ahead and because we brought it up now, let's talk about first fruits. Okay? Let's talk about this principle of first fruits. Point number two. Right, point number one, right? Let me go back, make sure I read it right. Point number one the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Point number two the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. So, Proverbs 3 9 and 10, this is a classic scripture. Honor the Lord with your possessions. This is a pretty common concept in scripture, right? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase right? You could substitute the word income right there for increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is a kingdom principle, right? Right? To honor the Lord with the increase, with the, with the, with the first fruits, with those things that you've, you've received for income. All right, now turn with me to Exodus chapter 23, okay? Exodus 23. And I wanted us to notice two things from Exodus 23 and these principles that God gives us. So I'm gonna, while we take while we pause and you find that, let me just let me just address this thing. Many, and we'll address it a little bit more later, but many people feel like the tithe is Old Testament, and under grace, it's it's obsolete. Okay? You do your own study on time. The Holy Spirit has to speak to you. I'm talking about the principle of the first and how God has made a way for us to institute it in our lives to live a blessed life. Are we good? Okay. So Exodus 23, 19 says this. The first, first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring, we'll come back to that word bring, into the house of the Lord, your God. Two big principles we get here. First, I want you to notice that the tithe always comes to the house of God. It always comes to the local church. Okay, we can argue all day about types of churches and what's happened over the age. Listen, there's a reason why in the New Testament it says that you should pay those gathering of people. You should pay those who labor in the word. You should pay those people who labor in the word and prayer and you should give them double honor. Right? You should actually provide for their needs. And this is exactly what the Old Testament model was, is that wherever you were locally, there was a local synagogue, a local place where you would go and you would bring your first fruits. You would go sacrifice your firstborn. Guess what? The fr- it all didn't get burned. That's what the fed the priests. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll dive into maybe more of that later. Some of you don't value that. It's okay, but this is what the Word says. First, notice, tithe always comes to the house of God, and there's a ton of scriptures on this. I can't go into them all. Um, Secondly, I want to show you that God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He doesn't use the word give once when it comes to the tithe. He says, give me what is mine. Bring the tithe. It's not a give, it's a bring. Okay, over and over. Now, go study that out. See if God says it differently anywhere in scripture. I haven't found it yet but perhaps you will. okay? Let's have that conversation. It says bring the tithe into the storehouse, okay? Now, why is that? You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can either bring it or you can steal it. We just talked about that. You can go study, like I said, study tithing on own, but you will find that those are the only two choices in the Bible. You either bring it to God's house or you keep it in your account, in your tent, like in Joshua, or it's called stealing. Now let me tell you, why am I preaching this so strong this morning? How many of you have been here more than a year? How many of you have ever heard me preach tithing like this? Well, all the hands went down. Right? What are we doing? We're breaking a spirit of poverty. Where does the, the spirit of poverty have to break? In me. You could try to break it off of everybody else all over the place, but it's got to be broken in you first. Are we okay? All right. Praise the Lord. All right. So God has been wanting the first since Adam and Eve, since Cain and Abel. He's wanted the first. Do you remember that God didn't honor Cain's offering? Are we doing okay? God didn't honor Cain's offering but he did honor Abel's. And many people have thought, well, God wanted meat, not vegetables. And I said, amen. Okay, so, so there's, this, there's this reality. My wife, naturopath physician's like, no, buddy, God wants the veggies. All right, Genesis 4, let's read verses 3 and 5. Genesis 4, verses 3 and 5, it says this. And in the process of time, It came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and also brought, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, did you see it? Is it clear yet? In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. See, Cain just brought an offering. Notice it did not say he brought the first fruits to the Lord. Over the course of time, he just brought an offering, right? He brought whatever he wanted to bring. He did not bring first fruits, and the Lord didn't accept it. What was Cain's response when it didn't get accepted? He was angry at God when he didn't do his part. How many of us have been mad at God in our finances? I'll just stop right there. Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn and the Lord accepted it. Look, it's right there. It's right there. Now listen, Abel was a rancher. Cain was a farmer. It didn't matter. It was about the first. God wants the first. Let me just say this. It wasn't just that God only wants the first. He can't accept anything but the first. (laughs) now you need to understand this there are many many people that think well God is God he's sovereign he can do God can do anything let me tell you what God cannot do anything God can never act outside of his character you guys get that he can't act outside of his character he could never act outside of himself right in other words he's love so he'll never not be love right right and, and he's merciful, he's gracious, and we see this with all the attributes of God. So can, so God can't act outside of his nature, outside of his character. He can't act outside of himself, right? And we call some of these like doctrinal words, let me just use some, some doctrinal words like omniscience, right? God doesn't think the way we think because omni means all, science means knowledge. He has all knowledge. And let me just say this, his He's never tried to figure something out. He doesn't think the way we think. We're trying to figure it out. He's already got it dialed. Right? And there's scriptures to back this up. He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways aren't your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God's on another level. Right. So that he can't have a new thought. He can't try and figure it out. Right. Otherwise he, he would not have knowledge. He would not know something. But he knows it all. There's 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 um I love the fact that he's never surprised, right, by anything. Let's talk about the immutability of God, right? This concept of immutability. What that word, to, For God to be immutable means that He doesn't change. God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. Well, why is that important? Because if He could change, He could get better. He's already the best. So He doesn't change. So God can't change, right? Are you with me? God can't change, okay? Now, Let me tell you something else that God can't do, and this is why he could not accept Cain's offering. God can't be second. This is the the doctrine of the preeminence of God. He can't be second, okay? He's higher than all. He's first of all. He's above all. He's first. God is first. Let me say it again. He's first. He can never be second. He can't be. He can't be. And we do say, put God first in your life. That's a good analogy to help us understand. But let me just let you know that if God's not first in your life, He's still first in the universe, right? We didn't sneeze the cosmos into, into, into being. God spoke and boom, it was done. He's bigger, right? And He's first in all things. So here's what happens. Abel brings... First offering and God says yes, I could accept that. Cain brings an offering in the process of time, and God says I can't accept that. Are you following me? Now, this is so much more important. People get hung on, hung up on this word tithing, but listen. Here's what I'm talking about: Who's first in your life? Who's really first? Right? Who's really first? If you want to take a scripture for this, Jesus says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Oh, oh, uh, your heart will be also." And let let me just to make it kind of clear he didn't say where your heart is there your treasure will be also many of us think that's the way it goes if I just follow my heart there's where the money is the Bible doesn't say it oh okay sorry I popped a balloon All right, if you want me to tell you who's first in your life let me see your bank account right let's see the register and here's what you'll see if you look at ours. And I'm and I I'm able to say this. I don't say this to brag or anything like that. I'm just mo- trying to model a principle. Um, every deposit we immediately give to Harvest Value. Immediately. And we do it online, right? And some people like writing the checks, but the second we do an online deposit. I got the check in front of us. I go snap the photo. Boom, next thing, church center app is open and I give the tithe. Done. First thing, every single time, okay? And... Um, and and there's been seasons where we've given more. There's been seasons where we've just given 10%. There's seasons where we're given to all types of missions, organizations, and all this types. of... That's above the tithe. That's not the tithe. Okay, just to, be, just to be really clear. So, first fruits must be offered. Firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Point number three, the tithe must be first. It must be first. And one reason is the preeminence of God. But let me show you the scripture. Leviticus 2730, for the note takers says this, Leviticus twenty seven thirty and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. Again, it is the Lord's. It's possessive. It is holy. That's the word. Holy to the Lord. It is set apart. It's the same word. Consecrate as the firstborn, as the first fruits. It's holy to the Lord. It belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. All right, so how does this work out? Well, let's say as an analogy that you own a landscape company, okay? Um, let, me get, let me get Jim. Jim, I want you to come on up here real quick. Jim, join me up on the platform, my friend, all right? So Jim is a landscaper, and, you know, we've had some landscaping needs. We've got um, lots of dirt that we like to move. Thank you, John, for letting us borrow a tractor and moving the dirt for us. Um, but we want uh, grass instead of mowing weeds, Okay, because we're good at mowing weeds. We mow a lot of weeds, but we want real grass. So we're going to ask you to come in. My, my wife wants some bushes out front of the, uh, the window on the front. Uh, she would love to have some coverage of the house where it looks kind of a little lower. She'd love to have, put some cover in front of the house. So we got some things that we want to do. So I have you come in, Jim. You're going to come in. And, and Jim comes in and he's like, okay, he's going to give me a bid. Right? right? What are you going to give me a bid for? Everything she wants. Everything. Oh. Well, that was a good... He said everything she wants. That's a good answer. That's fun. good. Mama happy. Mama happy. All right. So the first thing that he's going to do is give me, give me uh, something for uh, materials. Mm-hmm. Here's how much the materials are going to cost, right? And then you're going to say, here's how much my labor costs. And then you're going to say, here's how much my profit is, right? Mm-hmm. Here's how much, here's how much... I, I'm, you, I, he's got to and make a living. how much my tip should be. Woo! He said, here's how much my tip should be. <laughs> I picked the wrong person today. Okay, so so he comes back. He gets all the work done. It's beautiful. We pay him for his materials. We pay him for the labor. And now we're going to give him his profit. And what I have here are, are 10 crisp $100 dad bucks. I mean bills, $100 bills, okay? And so we've got 10 of them right here. Now, I'm going to give him that $1,000, right? I'm going to give that to him right there. Now, um, I give him that. Now, how much is the tithe? Yeah, give him $1,000. Okay, wait, we'll hold... We'll, Come on, common core math people, let's stop now. Stop now, no common core. Okay, don't need to carry the one, what do we got? A hundred bucks, okay, great. So, the hundred dollars, right? So, we can agree that that ten percent would be a hundred dollars, that he would give to the Lord out of his profit, right? Because the materials and the labor, that's not profit, that's not increase, that's on, right? you. That's on you. That's on me, right? But, that, but for him, his increase in this profit that he got, right? So he's got that. Now, the, how do we figure this out? Now, which one? He's got 10 of them. he got 10. 10. <laughs> which all, one? Which one? Blessed. is? They're which one? <laughs> huh? The one on the bottom. Oh, she thinks the one on the bottom. Okay. All right. Well, how do you know which one is the one that God's going to bless? Let me tell you, it's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one that leaves your hand. Wherever you put this first, that's God's. Huh. You get that? This is why we don't give it to the mortgage company. Why? Because God's going to do more with the 90 than, he, than I could do with all 10. So if I give my $100 to the mortgage company, they can't redeem the 90. They can't do anything with this. Right? right. Thank you, Jim. No, you don't get to keep that? Shoot. All right. It's the first one that leaves your hand is the one that has to go to the Lord, right? You gave God's portion somewhere else and you can't, that's not how things get blessed. And of course, this happens all the time. I got this to pay. I got this to pay. I got this bill and this bill. And we see this giant pattern. We see a giant pattern evolve over years of ministry, years of ministry, where we see those people that practice God, giving God the first and their tithe have a common testimony. They're extremely blessed. They can't believe how God pays for things. They can't believe how God moved in their finance. I mean, it's just like testimony after testimony. I, I, if I did an open mic on financial testimonies, we would be here for another three hours. Easily. But I also have a common testimony for people who don't tithe. There's never enough. I'm always behind. I'm barely making it common. Listen, we all got bills to pay. We all got things that we got to take care of. Okay? I get that. Sometimes it feels like there's not enough left over for God. And what we're forgetting is that the first one redeems the rest. The first one brings the other nine out from under the curse and the first one brings a blessing on your home. So like I said, we often will give um, uh, we we do this all the time, where we are constantly just right away doing it. Now I'm not religious about it in that like, okay. So it takes a couple of days for our EFT to come in, come through. Sometimes with the online version, I'm not bummed out if uh, the mortgage happens to come out prior to that because it's about the heart, right? I'm giving God that first. I'm not I'm not getting religious about it. I'm not getting like. Oh, had something leave my account before the tithe i better go to dave's ramsey cash only system you know like i'm not doing that but what i am there's benefit to dave right but what i am doing is i'm making sure that it, that intentionally i am giving god the first every single time and i don't even it's his it's not even a question it's not like it's that the question of whether or not the tithe was the lord's left our building a long time ago right now i know this might be hard for some of us and i'm not preaching legalism to you it's been abused it's been manipulated i get that i'm asking you where your heart is i'm talking with you about a principle in scripture where god asks will you put me first in every area of your life, including your wallet? Will you put him first? Let me just say the side note on debt, okay? Let me just, let me just, here's the problem often with debt. Not all debt, but some debt is because we're often borrowing from God's first in order to pay for blessings that he hasn't given us yet. often we're borrowing from God's first in order to get blessings that he hasn't given us yet we're trying to determine the blessing that God is going to give us and so we assume that because we're tithers that God's going to bless us so we just we preempt God's ability to bless us and we steal from the tithe cuz now i'm in bondage i'm now a slave to the lender Right, And God actually gave us these principles so that we're free, so that we have freedom. Are you guys okay with that? And, and listen, God doesn't care how you got into trouble financially. He will bless you. Sometimes we'll carry around shame. like Oh man, I made some really bad financial decisions. Listen, I, I think it's Psalm 107 it says it didn't matter how it happened. God's going to bless those who bless him. Okay, all right. Now, I want to make a statement, and I think it's a critical one. No debt, no debt can survive in the atmosphere of God's blessing and our radical generosity. No debt can survive in God's blessing and our radical generosity. But let me tell you, let me just say this again. God says, bring me the tithe and give offerings. And our, our radical generosity will crush debt. So we want to break a spirit of poverty off of this region. We'll be talking about a lot of aspects of blessing, multiplication, abundance, and coming into alignment with God's principles for living a life of blessing in this series. Listen, there are tests and there are trials. I'll talk about this next week in detail, but did you know what the number 10 stands for in Scripture? Test. I'll just leave that there. Test. The number 10 stands for a test so my title for next week's what test? There are moments when God asks us to give far more than what we believe we can, and I will say that I haven't done it perfectly, but our family has tried to put God first in our finances. Uh, I want us to go ahead and bow our, our... Well, why don't you stand with me, and then we'll close our eyes as we close out our time together today. And what I want you to do is you close your eyes as you consider. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? What are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And let the Lord speak to you. Now, now, for some of you, listen, he will give you an impression to your heart he might remind you of a scripture that you've read, maybe something, some scripture that you were taught as a child. Maybe, maybe there is some conviction coming on the word, like, wow, I really need to reorganize my finances. I need to put God first. Listen to the Holy Spirit and just let him speak unto your heart, okay? I'm just gonna give us a moment for the Spirit of God to speak and I'll be quiet. Now, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, we are going to come into agreement with what the Lord is speaking to you right now. So, Father, I just come into agreement with the word of the Holy Spirit in each heart. Father, I pray that if there has been any sense of this being legalistic or a salvation issue or anything like that, Father, I pray that, that every deception from the enemy would be revealed and it would be broken. Because God, you have a plan for the body of Christ to step into being the wealth that changes the nation. You long for us to step into a greater measure of abundance so that we can have influence and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And Father, I thank you that you use what is yours, your tithe, you use what we bring to transform and shake the region. Father, I am asking in Jesus' name as we come together in agreement that all of us can put God first in our lives to the best of our ability in every area of our life, not just our finances, and that's what this series is about, but it's not just our finances. God, may you be first in our hearts. May you be first in our families. May you be first in our marriage May you be first in our business. We give you the firsts. May you be first in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Again, I'm excited for next week's message. As As we unpack this, this one is so critical because I'm watching so many people struggle and I'm like, are you tithing? Hi, huh, I've had that conversation with some of you in this room. I'm like, okay, like, like, let's dial this in because God has a rich set of blessings for you that you haven't even touched yet. We haven't even we haven't even got there yet because we haven't even given God what's His first yet. Right? Are you with me? Okay. So with that, if you have questions about the series, I I have Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life, which I've taken a lot of content from feel free to come get that and study that, read it. Let's have a a thoughtful conversation um, on any of this stuff. If you're like, man, this is so Old Testament, you're trying to yoke us to the law. I'm like, let's have that conversation. I'm happy with that. I will guarantee, I'm not going to guarantee anything. I will say that what I have found most often is that there's something here that pushes against giving God the first. And as a spiritual leader, please listen. This is absolutely because I love you. And the whole core team, Mika and I, we practice what we preach here. We do wholeheartedly. Okay? Now with that, um, vote. 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 I'd love to... um, I've, I've chose a long time ago not to wade into the political waters from the pulpit. For one particular reason, God doesn't want me to have mission creep. Mission creep. Mission creep. It means that we get off track. I don't ever want to get off track. And our core team's on, all in agreement. We don't want to get off track of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I need you to vote and have influence Go to meetings. Go do your thing. Be politically active. I'm great with it. I absolutely love it. I've had people leave the church because I'm not as vocal about it from the pulpit. Okay? Listen, I've got one mission here, and it's to raise you up into looking like Jesus. That's why I'm here. Okay? Now, does that involve politics? You better believe it. It's part of our culture. It's part of our life. But I need you to discern the difference between righteous leaders, unrighteous leaders. I need you to discern when when there's an agenda from the enemy versus the agenda of God. And let me tell you, I am more nervous about elections than I ever have been because I'm seeing a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing on the right. And I'm seeing a lot of, of just craziness on the left. But let me just say, I need you to seek the Lord, and go vote. Okay? Are you guys good with that? All right. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.